If you'll turn with me to uh, Mark chapter 13. How many have been really blessed during this time? How many can... Wow, that's great. 80%. That's not bad. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. How many of you can say that you have something already that you're going to take home with you that's going to change your year? Wow, that's awesome. I was thinking about this subject when well in these last few days Pastor Max made a point yesterday I think it was yesterday and it really uh, stirred me to this message let's pray Father, we thank you for the honor to open your word. Thank you for your great grace upon our lives. That without you we would be lost. Thank you, God, that you wash us with your blood. Every minute of the day. And we can be new and fresh in the spirit of our minds. Thank you for our guests from all over the area. Pray for Pastor Misha's family tonight and his grandmother who is very sick and we just pray, Father, for a decision for her to make to receive Christ as her Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's look at verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled. And I just want to talk about the last days a little bit. And in connection with the subject that we spoke about recently on suffering. And Jesus answered them in verse 5 and began to say, Take heed that no man deceives you. We can see that many people today are asking the questions, what will happen these last days? 
And so it was also with the disciples. They were also interested what will be happening these last days. And I like how Jesus answered the question here. He begins the, he begins the answer with this. Take heed. Guard yourself that no man deceive you. Because Jesus knew that the spirit of the last days would be a spirit of deception. There is much deception in the world today. I think when we look at the internet, when we look at our TVs, we can probably believe very little of what we see and what we read. I think with the money that the media moguls have, uh, they have a great effect on what is on TV. Maybe a hundred years ago, the only source of information really was a newspaper and word of mouth. Today we have a flood of information. Flood of information. We can pick up our phones and look at a train schedule. We can find out what's happening in China on our phone. Can you imagine that? We can, we, can, we can read something in another language or have it translated in another language in a moment. It's unbelievable. But the only thing is that information can be controlled. It can be controlled. It can be, it can be monitored and it can be guided. It's no secret that over the years people with great power can rewrite history. So the only book today that I think that I trust to explain to me what's happening today, this hour, October what, 2nd? 3rd, is the Bible. The Bible, we open it up and it can tell us what's happening this very hour. There's no other book or no other device that can tell you what's happening this hour in your life. Nothing. Does, does anybody know any book or information anywhere? Or internet connection or website that can tell you what's happening this hour other than the weather and politics? The Bible. And so we should be in our Bible more than we should be in anything else these days. Because of deception. Deception. That's, that's amazing. Jesus said, take heed. Take heed. Take heed. And that Greek word is blepo. Take heed. Verse 6, For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. I think that today, 
and in history we've seen many people come in the name of Christ and say I am the Christ but none has ever come in such a way with so much perilous and troublous times as these years that we live in and when, he, and when you hear in verse 7 of wars and rumors of wars Jesus begins to describe the time before the rapture he's speaking to his disciples and he's speaking to the men that are around him but the book of Mark was written uh, with an audience of Roman and Gentile readers. So there's a lot here that we can take for ourselves tonight. That there will be wars and rumors of wars. And that is really what's happening. Do not be troubled. I love those words. Do not be troubled. Jesus, the second thing that Jesus says is do not be troubled. First thing he says is what? Take heed. Guard your eyes. Guard your ears. Guard your conversations. Because we don't want to put things in the atmosphere that later on become a stronghold for the devil. What we say really has an effect on our home, in our family, in our cities, and in our country. Because before the devil can take over something, he needs to fill the air with information, with fear. And when there's fear, there's paralysis. And the devil can project things at us. And Jesus says, do not be troubled. Do not be anxious. I think the world is very anxious, isn't it? All over the world. In America right now, we have these weird, strange diseases. Where 500 children are suffering this strange disease where they're paralyzed. And they don't know what it is. And there's this Ebola scare. And, it's, and, and uh, there's fear. And people are troubled. They're very troubled. What's happening? But as a Christian, remember Isaiah 8, verse 12. Isaiah 8, verse 12. Do not be afraid of what they are afraid of. You know, when we get together with our families, we need to guard ourselves, take heed to ourselves, that we would not take part of the fear talk. That's... And he said, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. And this word in the Greek, of course, we know is ethnos, which means ethnic group, 
shall rise against ethnic group. There will be ethnic strife. <laughs> and there will and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places. And there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. These are the times where the Bible says that are like birth pains. And we know that when a woman starts to have her birth pains, they get more and more frequent before the birth takes place. And the earth is, the, the world system is having birth pains because it's giving birth to an antichrist. And so the birth pains are becoming more and more frequent. And we will see these kinds of things become more and more frequent. And I like what Jesus said here. He said, do not be troubled. Because do you remember when the famine and all the plagues came upon Egypt? Those ten plagues. Where were the children of Israel during those plagues? Goshen, right? That speaks of the people of God, you and I. We too are in a time when the wrath of God is going to become poured out upon this world. But we are not part of the system, not part of the world, in our heart, in our spirit. And we live in a spiritual land of Goshen, where what happened in Goshen? What happened there? Did they experience the plagues? No, of course not. But there was a place of what? Blessing. Provision. God raised up a man named Joseph who knew what was going to happen during those years of the plagues. And what did Joseph do in his wisdom? He prepared, didn't he? Right? for these seven years of famine for these and God is done the same for us we have a man named Jesus Christ who also prepared for us a provision a blessing and a place of safety during the time when God pours His judgment out on the earth. Be not deceived. Jesus is saying, don't be deceived. What is the spirit that deceives today? It's the spirit of fear, isn't it? That's a deceptive spirit. It's deceptive, isn't it? I mean, when you have a pack of dogs running at you, a pack of dogs. 
And you're afraid, aren't you? And it's a, it's a powerful fear, isn't it? When you look at the news or when you look at what's happening in your backyard, and you can look at it, you can be very afraid. And you can think, what happens if it happens here? In our home, and that could be a spirit that deceives us into fear and into not trusting the Lord. That is a spirit of deception. And Jesus says, don't be deceived by it. And I'm saying that to us tonight. That we are in the last days. And we are not to be deceived by a spirit of fear. Right? I'm saying that to all of us in this room tonight. And all of those that hear this message, wherever we are. Do not live in fear. Because it's not that's not the spirit of God. Fear is not God's will. First Timothy 1 verse 9, what does that say? I think it's verse 9. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But what has he given us? A spirit of love. Love, power, and a psychological problem. No, sound mind. All of us in this room tonight have three things. The love of God. We have a the power of God. And we have healthy thinking. And that's and fear takes away all three things. It takes away love. It takes away love. When people are afraid, they just they just do not think about other. They're not worried about other people. They don't love other people. I gotta save myself. And that is the spirit of fear. Number two, they don't have power in their life. I love how Jesus stood before uh, Herod and before Pilate. He was quiet. He was not talking. He was not explaining. He was not on his knees begging for his life. But he was very confident in God. And we can read on here, it says. But watch out for yourselves in verse 9. For they will deliver you up to councils and and you will be beaten in the synagogues. And he's speaking to the Jews right now. And you will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony to them. It could be that's so, like, like so many of our brothers and sisters in the world that we are brought before, before authorities to answer for our faith and if that happens Jesus says here it's for a testimony to them and again we cannot live in fear because when we, when, if God calls us to stand before authorities to explain our faith in Jesus Christ then it's for a testimony and God will be with us and in the gospel and it says here 
And the gospel in verse 10 first must be preached unto all nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you so speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. In verse 11. The spirit of fear will say, you got to, what are you going to do? You got to figure this out. What are you going to say to these people? How are you going to explain yourself? What's the most diplomatic, most politically, most, um, the most uh, acceptable way for me to explain? We just rest in the Lord. We rest. Because the Spirit will speak. And, and I like that because because in these troublesome times we have a different spirit, don't we? John 14, it says, we do not have the spirit of the world. What's the spirit of the world? It's fear. It, it is... It is so many different things. We have a different spirit. And this spirit is a spirit of confidence, peace. And it goes on and says that brother will betray brother. And we see in chapter, uh, verse 12, that there will be family problems, betrayal in families. This, and some of these things... This is talking here, these verses are talking about the characteristic of the first three and a half years, some of the characteristics of the first three and a half years of the tribulation. We are going to be raptured in uh, Revelation chapter 3 verse 10 before all of these things happen. Because remember this, that there are things today that people, that Christians write about on the internet that they're afraid of, but they're not going to even be on the planet when they happen. For example, the mark of the beast. What is the mark of the beast? Is it a chip in my hand? Is it a biometric, is it a biometric device? Is it some other thing? What is it? And, and, we, and you know, Apple now has a watch and we can't buy that because it's the mark of the beast. Stop worrying about that stuff. Because you and I are not going to be there. Don't worry about what the mark is. Because we probably don't know exactly what it is until it comes. The word mark is actually the same word that is used in the Old Testament to describe a tattoo or a uh, painting or some kind of a stain. Or a stain. Like you get a plumber. And that's kind of what, it, we don't know what that is. But we don't need to worry about that. People spend so many hours worrying about the mark of the beast. Because their day have been deceived by a spirit of fear. And the believer today, we are, I love, and I'm going to 
Um, I'm sorry, I just lost my place. But um, in verse 13, and you will be hated by all men for my sake. This is going to be a characteristic of before the rapture. That more and more people are going to be threatened that you are a born-again Christian. That you are a Christian. And they will be threatened by that. And they will hate you for that. And we cannot get into the fear of pleasing men. И мы не можем попасть в этот страх угодить людям. Что мне нужно быть дипломатичным, то, как я делюсь Евангелием. Мне нужно говорить. Быть смелыми в нашем свидетельстве. И дальше говорится, кто же претерпевший же до конца спасется. And I want to explain what that means here. Хочу объяснить, что это означает. But first let's go to 2 Timothy. Chapter 3. This is an important message. I think that we need to think about these words. And really understand the days that we live in. We live in some amazing days. We live in amazing days of opportunity. Vision. Faith, thinking outside of the box. Remember the message that we talked about, compassion that makes a church without borders. These are days that we need to understand wisdom from God. If you had one, if God said, I will give you whatever you want, but you only have one, you can only ask for one thing. What would you ask for? Think about it for a second. Not a genie out of a bottle, but if God came to you. If God was to ask you, what do you want out of all the things in the world? Think about that for a minute. Just think about that for a minute. What would you ask for? Unlimited supply of Snickers. <laughs> no. What would I want? Cars. No, don't tell me. I don't want. You don't. Can I tell you what we should? What we should ask for? Wisdom. Right? How many thought that? Of course, everybody. <laughs> Wisdom. Why? Because if you and I have wisdom, we will succeed in everything that we do. Amen. We will have understanding. We will have perspective. We will have foresight. We will have deep understanding of things that other people don't understand. These days that we live in, as, the, as, the, as Paul wrote to the Colossians, he said, be not ignorant of what the will of the Lord is, but be what? what? Be wise of what the, of the will of God is. When, if you're a husband here tonight, 
or a father. Think smart with God. How you lead your family. What you let into your home. Let's live in discernment if you're a mother or, or a single person. Guard, your, guard yourself from whatever would like to come in to invade your private life with God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Verse 1 and, and, and Pastor Max said this, I like this. It doesn't say that in the last days of perilous times will come and there will be all of these political situations, all of these, all of these things, but it says, it talks about problems that men have. People. It's going to be on the individual level. How do we change our country? How do we change our world? How do we change our family? On the individual level. Right? And how we think. How we look at God. How we look at our world. One man can change a city. One man can change a country. One man can change the world. And that's happened many, many times. And what, how did he do that? With lots of money. Lots of political power, lots of Hollywood fame, no, but by thinking with God. This is so important that we understand wisdom. Wisdom. And it says here, for men shall be lovers of themselves. And this is the first characteristic of the last days before the rapture. Self-lovers. Egocentric. How do you say this word? Uh, lovers of themselves. It's just they are in love with themselves. What I want. What I deserve. What I have done. What I'm going to do. What are my plans? What are my abilities? How does this situation affect me? How does that church affect me? How does this job affect me? That in the last days, it is not, we be, in the last days, the characteristic is narcissism. How many know what narcissism means? It's an, right, it's an obsession with the love of self. And that's what happens, that's what's happening with society. Lovers of themselves. And it goes on, it says, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Unloving, unforgiving. Slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, 
haughty lovers of pleasure than rather than the lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying its power and I don't have time to go over each one of these but I want to focus just on the last one for a minute having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof what is the what does it mean to deny the power of godliness to deny the power of godliness means that that we erase the cross from the picture where does the cross come in with our godliness let me ask you that question how does the cross relate to our godliness? Think about that for a minute. Just ask yourself, how does the cross affect my godliness? Godliness, another way to translate the word godliness is to be like God. Перевести это слово с английского «godliness» — это уподобление Богу. Единственный способ, как можно это достичь. Характеристика сегодняшнего христианства — это то, что крест отсутствует. Послание проповедуется a message without the loss of personal rights a, a message in a life that is that is void of being self-centered because when we take up a cross we don't live in fear we don't live in occupation with things that the world is occupied with fears because the characteristic of the last days is, is that as Jesus said many will be offended be prepared for that be prepared that you personally might be offended by what God allows and be like you're like why did God allow that we take up a cross and then we get understanding from God and wisdom from God and, and, and sometimes that can be a hard pill to swallow but when we take up our cross then we have power to live in the last days and I just want to I want to I finish the message with this and it, Paul continues to, to describe let's just read these um from such people turn away, verse 5. For this sort are those who creep into households and they make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins and led away with various lusts. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. As James and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproving, disapproved concerning the faith. 
And Paul continues to describe the situation. I just want to look at verse 9, verse 10, and look at this with me. And we'll finish. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. Paul is now talking to a different group of people. His people. His church. He's talking to his 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 disciple Timothy. He says, You followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance. And verse 11, persecutions, afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, Lystra, what persecutions I endured. Last and very important, okay? Remember back in Mark verse 13, we read that verse, they that endure shall be saved. The Bible always interprets itself. If we have a question about a Bible verse and the Bible verse, another Bible verse is going to explain it. Paul was in trouble in his ministry. He was being persecuted. He was being set before um, authorities to give an account of the gospel. He was beaten. He was questioned. He was called a political evildoer. When he was not even involved with that, he was preaching the gospel. Paul was suffering afflictions. But what does it say here? What does it say here? Out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. Same words as we see in Mark chapter 13. He that endures. What does Paul say here? It says, and I keep losing my place because this writing is so small. What persecutions I endured, right? And out of them the Lord delivered me. That verse in Mark chapter 13 is saying that if we endure, same word here as the, as the previous verse. If we endure, we will experience the deliverance of the Lord. The deliverance of the Lord. This is the point I want to make. Is that when times are tough, and we don't know what will happen in the future. We would like to say everything will be great. But one thing will be that we, we do know for sure. Is that God takes his people. And he delivers them. From trouble. From persecution. That whatever happens in this world that we live in. God's going to deliver you. That you and I will not suffer the same things that an unsaved world will suffer. Think of that. That God will deliver us 
from those things that are the afflictions and the persecutions in the world. And that's why we don't need to live in fear. That's why we can live in purpose, love. We can live in vision in our life. And we can say, God is with me. I will not fear what man will do unto me. God will direct my steps. And I will be a person that has a spirit of love a spirit of power and a spirit of a healthy thinking in very unstable times because we have a different spirit we have a different love and we have a different psychology of thinking we are not robots where the world has to tell us how to think this book tells us how to think This book is more accurate about what's happening today than the news. This book is the root of every question that we is the answer to every question that we could ever have. It's wisdom. And it's our daily bread. And it's going to keep us from deception in the last days. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you.